This is the second one we're doing with you. Bam, we're live. Welcome back into the 2022 Dubai CrossFit Championships. They are announcing the winners on the floor right now. And it is Benito. It is Fabian Benito will take the championship here at the 2022 Dubai Fitness Championship. How, how close are, are you? This just happened uh, two hours ago, right? Yeah. How close are you to uh, Fabian? Are you standing pretty close to him? No, we're up on the in the like the booth overlooking the stadium still. Oh, okay. Championships. Let's Basic. go down to the floor. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, basically, at the finish line, you know, then there's the seats behind them, and then there's a balcony up top. And on on the right side was the DJ, and on the left side was the broadcast table, and also one of the cameras that we use for the broadcast. Uh, th- this is this is a pretty powerful moment here. This guy's or this guy's like overwhelmed. Yeah, I did talk. I I just went out to dinner with some of the people who were down on the floor, and uh, I mean, he wasn't just like. Like he was sobbing. This was a very meaningful and emotional moment for him. Well, what what what's this guy's uh, what's this guy's background? What what like what uh, is this the biggest event he's ever won? Oh my God! Yeah, this is the best day of competition that he's ever had, and the biggest moment in his career so far. Um, he's had a. I mean, he's he's been close. Like a lot of people are often in this sport, and and you know sometimes people get a breakthrough, and sometimes they don't. He's been, uh, the last two seasons have been pretty tough for him, I think, in terms of competition. He's 25 years old, and he's had a, you know, a few hard events, a few setbacks, a few close calls, and hasn't quite materialized into what I think he believes is possible. Um, I don't, I mean, he came into the day in seventh place. You know, we weren't even really looking at him as someone who could potentially win, especially when you have someone like Brent Fikowski holding down the top spot, guys like Yonakowski that are in the way, and guys charging like Luka and Lazar Jukic. Um, you know, it's a, it was a competitive top 10 this weekend, and uh, he went first, first, second, and then edged out Fikowski and finished in exactly the place he needed to to hold off the charging Moritz Fiebeck. It looks Even like one of the most exciting final events in the history of CrossFit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and when you realize how close that the points ended up being in the women's division for second, third, and fourth, and in the men's division for first through third, it's definitely right up there, like you said. Uh, does he speak English? If I play this interview, does he speak English? This is a, a very short interview, and they yeah, they told him he could say something in Spanish. I mean, he, he could do a little English, I think, but when you're that emotional, it's hard to think at all, let alone in a second language. Yeah, let's get let's give it a peek. Okay, Spanish. All right. Uh, well, it, 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 it was crazy. We will get back to uh, that event. Let's um, go back a bit. Um, there were four workouts uh, today. Um, you can either check them out at um, Bar- Barbend has a, a pretty incredible uh, spread of all the workouts, uh, the results, and uh, the times of everyone uh, event by event. It's an, it's a pretty good breakdown, and it's what I was uh, relying on as I, um, I I watched this after it happened. I've been just cramming all of today's events into the last. Hour. Okay, so we started with event five, Brian, uh, Fast Like an Oryx. Am, am I pronouncing that right? That's the name of that animal, Oryx? 
Yeah, I think it's comparable to a gazelle, something like. Yeah, that. we showed a picture of it the other day. He, it, it's like a fan, fancy deer with like fancy, like pointy antlers. Uh, why did they choose that name? What is, is an oryx? Like a is it a animal that's? Uh, is, is it a Dubaian animal? Is it a UAE animal? I'm not sure. I'm sure that it's you know a more familiar saying here than it is in the United States. I had not heard of that animal previously. I know. I know you can hunt them. Uh, you can go to Texas and, uh, and 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 hunt them. They they breed them there and they hunt them there. So anyone who wants to put one of those down, <laughs> Texas. Uh, okay. Uh, Matt Fraser joined you in the booth for this workout. He came on for the men's um, heats for this workout. Yeah. And and like you said yesterday, uh, he added a lot of valuable information. I thought it was interesting seeing you in this role, by the way, asking him questions. I was like, holy cow, Brian's giving him just alley-oop after alley-oop, which was very cool of you. And like you said, he added a tremendous amount of insight uh, to, to the program. Was that fun? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're aware or not, but kind of my um, upbringing or whatever in this space, I've spent a lot of time uh, in, in, in live podcasts with one of the best question askers of all time. So I have a good mentor in that regard. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. you absolutely killed it. And, um, and that, and that was fun. And we'll get to some of the stuff that, uh, that Matt, uh, was, uh, sharing. Um, this was a, a, a four out, a four round workout. Let me see. I apologize. I have no one working the back end here. Let me go over to the bar bin. Yeah, I can I can talk about the workout while you're pulling it up. Uh, okay. This is this. So there, as as we talked about last night, and as I'm sure we'll talk about today, there were some changes to some of the workouts that were made last minute for a variety of different reasons. Um, but this one stayed true to form, and from the first version of the workout that I ever saw of this until now, it's been exactly the same. Um, ten shuttle runs, ten burpee box clear overs as a buy-in. And then uh, basically as many thrusters as you could do in the remaining time, two and a half minute interval, rest one minute, repeat four times. And in, hi, Chase. Hello. Uh, so we're over here on bar Ben. You can see the workout uh, event five, uh, day two, um, four workouts. Uh, Brian just went over the workouts, uh, 10 shuttle runs. Uh, you had to jump over the box and then uh, max dumbbell thrusters. Brian, you were saying that the third interval you felt like was the most important going into the workout. Why did you say that? And did you continue to think that uh, after it was all said and done? Well, I mean, it just in general, when you have a four round workout, I think uh, almost any of the time, the third round is the critical round. I usually uh, encourage uh, people when we're you know coaching in the gym to stick with it through that third round. Because if you can get to the last round, you know, almost every person is going to find a, a way to get through the final round. But that third round, it's painful and it's hard. This workout in particular had a little extra ele uh, element in it because if you were able to achieve 40 reps of the thrusters with the heavy dumbbells in three rounds, then you were going to have a huge advantage in the final round when you got to the lighter pair. Uh, did you like the weights, Chase, for this, 70 pounds? I know Brian asked Matt Fraser uh, about that also. The athletes handled them way better than I thought, which is usually the case the last couple of years of how you think it will go. And then the caliber of athletes that we have now in the game, I thought they did uh, really well. And I know I'm with Brian too. And I, I would throw out the first round being hugely important because everyone's fresh and getting a huge chunk off the bat, but not dipping too far in the red, maybe pacing yourself in round two. But we saw a lot of the guys that could get to those fifties in the third round 
and really buy themselves some good reps for the fourth where I know Brian, it would like in the women did only a handful get into the, the second set of dumbbells, but not until the fourth set. I think I saw as far as I remember, only Claudia Gluck who won the event got any, mm-hmm. um, made it to this. She made it to the, uh, Later dumbbells in the, 40. Third, in, the, okay. in the third round. Every other woman got that got to him only got to them late in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I thought the weights were they, they were right. Like people got to the dumbbells right around where you thought they would with an opportunity for a fourth round if they really, really wanted to put in the work in that third round. I thought it was good. Uh Brian, you did ask uh Matt Fraser why he chose those weights. Do you recall his answer? I know it was a long, long five and a half hours you were just on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he, like you said, the, he tested this workout in a variety of different formats before um, settling on this. And it was not just the weights, but also the the number 40. And actually, I don't know if it was on the air or off there when I spoke to him, but that was the thing he was most nervous about with this workout was if they'd picked the right number for that transition. I think they'd flirted with 35 and maybe 45. Um, they'd flirted with lighter weight and having to get to 50 before doing it, I believe. I think uh, he was, I remember uh, after we got off the air, you know, he said, thank you for having me on these two days. And he goes, man, I'm, I'm relieved that that one's over because I was nervous that we, if we were going to get it right or not. And after watching it, I think we did. Uh, Ed, I, um, Ed, Ed Dos Santos uh, makes a comment here. Ed, I, I hope you will take, um, you will not mind my poetic license um, as I, slightly alter what what you wrote Uh, brian you were fantastic this weekend i can't wait to see you and chase team up at the games uh this year and do the individual competition did you click the commercial (laughs) i'm trying i'm I'm trying to (laughs) i thought that was a love song for me and chase (laughs) so uh ed thank you i also would love to see uh chase and brian um as as the leaders in this space uh team up maybe we'll even get three maybe uh throw uh mr woodland in there too i think that would be i think you guys are ready for uh three to be uh if i may be frank and then uh and and then you know hey i hope this isn't an insult because i mean as a compliment and then get bill grundler on the field like they do at the uh at the Mm -hmm. ufc or in the nfl and have bill roaming the sidelines Mm -hmm. uh interjecting and uh grabbing athletes i think that would be a fantastic foursome I am a huge fan of threesomes, but I'm not opposed to <laughs> the occasional foursome. Um, I, I want you guys to really look at at, at this uh, for everyone. Jeez, what the fuck is going on over here? Brian, can you talk to someone over there at Barbend about that? I, I muted it. You see, I put the little X through it. How, what do I? What do I do here? Maybe go to a. The leaderboard that doesn't have that on there. <laughs> uh, I want you to see this. Look at this score. This is where Fabian, this is really important here. One rep. Mm. One rep to win the event. I want I, I, I to go back and watch the finish, the last maybe 10 or 15 seconds of this heat of men because on the floor, we thought that Anyol Akai had won the workout. And the reason why we thought that is because he put the dumbbell down and took a bow to the crowd. Mm-hmm. But if, if my memory serves, he did that with like five seconds left in the workout. And if he actually mm-hmm. had five seconds left and hadn't done that and had done two more reps, it would have been enough to beat Fabian, which would have prevented Fabian from winning the competition at the end of the day. 
Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And then also look down here. Where did where is Brent in this one? Um, uh, he's tenth. Tenth. And Brent is one rep. Notice this one rep. Imagine if Brent here would have gotten two more reps. Mm-hmm. That would have jumped him over one, two, three guys. These are all easy to look at. Oh, you, and, the and way talk that the button. scoring works, those guys that got seventh, all you know, I think they all get the points for seventh. Hmm. Okay. I think that they would all have gotten 65, and then he gets 50 for 10th. So that was actually 15 points on one rep. Dang. Yeah, crazy. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> I got to double click it. Okay, and then uh, and then Brian, what happened down here with uh, uh, Simon uh, Montilla? Why did he? Oh, Simon, uh, he he had withdrawn yesterday, and it was for uh, personal reasons. Um, that oh, this is the boyfriend of of uh, Carlson. Correct. Correct. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Con and, Porter. Uh, Con Porter also withdrew after this workout. Okay, um, we'll get to that. Go ahead. Do you want to say why did he injure himself? Yeah, I mean, I th- everyone pretty much saw it on the um, on the clean workout yesterday, and he actually was joking around about it this morning and showing me this the still shot of it. I mean, receiving the, the clean in like this position with like 170 kilos on the bar it was kind of a miracle. He wasn't more injured than that. But he told me at breakfast this morning that the only thing that really bothered him was the eccentric, the deloading of a of a weight from overhead. And we had that twice today. First with the thrusters, second with the um, the barbell furious workout that we'll get to, and it just wasn't it wasn't warming up and it wasn't feeling good. He barely did any reps uh, in, in this workout, as you see. And I think just in the interest of preserving next season, he figured it, it wasn't worth it for him to continue on today. But he was in good spirits. He was walking around, interacting with the crowd, taking pictures, and being just genuine and a fun con porter despite having to withdraw. And um, what was when you what was hurt? The elbow or the shoulder? Yeah. Elbow. elbow elbow okay all righty uh and then and then and then we go go down here to the women uh uh claudia gluck uh lena richter jamie uh simmons yeah uh claudia gluck you know she actually had an, a phenomenal day today uh she started the day i think in 16th place and by the end of the day was all the way up in seventh place so a huge surge for her obviously winning an event always goes a long way she'd done well on the jigsaw workout at the lowlands throw on i think she finished third in that one um and similar style workout here and she was able to you know obviously obviously win the event which helped her make that big move uh, and she was uh from what i think i heard you say in the commentary she was the only woman to get all 40 reps with the heavier uh weight at the end of the third interval so she got to start the fourth interval the uh, lighter dumbbells yeah and she likes you know being that low in the in the rankings at the start of the day i think i got that wrong she was in 12th and moved up to seventh but being in the second heat to start the day she had set that mark to beat i figured that some of the because she was able to do it that some of the women in the last heat like jimmy simmons or ayana moya or, or, or some of the others might also be able to do it but when that third round came to the end they were all still a couple reps short uh, there was also some insight you got from Matt Fraser in regards to why they use the box clear instead of just the box over. The distinction being you had to actually jump over the box without touching it versus just uh, traversing the box. Yeah, he said he said some stuff about the the, the the diaphragm and whatever else. But basically, what I heard him say was it spikes the heart rate more than a box jump over. That little extra effort to get over the box, it's a, you know not an unfamiliar movement to do a burpee and get over a box, but it's just slightly more challenging. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was a nice little wrinkle in the workout. 
Uh, Chase, when I would see people jump over the box, in, in, in I, you know, we, we see this a lot. The big example was when you watch Danielle Brandon jump up, up on a box at the games. It really starts showing who is a, for, for lack of a better word, athlete. or who yeah, is I was going to say athlete. <laughs> or, 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 or who is a real mover. I, mm-hmm. um, the example I always use, it was remarkable watching – uh, Brooke Entz and Tia Toomey one time at CrossFit HQ do burpees next to each other, bar over the burpees. Mm-hmm. And Tia just looked like it was all the burpees look like just one movement. Like she's mm-hmm. just, like someone's just pouring a cup of water back and forth. And whereas Brooke, who was great at it, but it was more like a robot. And it it was like segmented and shit. Like each thing was happening separately. Yeah. Um. By the way, I hate driving with people like that, who they switch lanes and it's like, <laughs> dude, just flow, just flow with your driving. Yeah. Uh, and use your blinker for crying out loud. Yeah. Thank you. What, what there were some athletes out there that looked like they had never pro- practice the box clear. Like they were, li- they were jumping over it and landing like basically on their heels and shit. And then mm-hmm. there were other, other of these women who were just like flowing mid flight turning and then bouncing back. And it just looked like more like a, um, those things that swing underneath, you know, a, a grandfather clock, like a mm-hmm. pendulum. Yeah. Isn't that something to coach? Isn't that your coach supposed to be like, Hey, uh, let's do five of these and let me assess them uh, before you go out. I mean, you'd like to see that, but like you said, is that if we're talking about an athletic advantage, which is somewhat natural based off, you know, some of these athletes, like they've kind of tapped into their athleticism potential at this age, right? This is something that's developed since you were like five and six, right? So am I going to teach someone how to be more athletic in the, in the warmup area? Probably not. Can I teach them to be more efficient in the warmup area? That's a better, better chance as far as the coach's impact going into the event. It, it, it's crazy what movements you see exposed uh, athletes, shit like you don't even expect. Did you notice that, Brian? Was it pretty obvious? Like you're like, ooh, that's not going to work for you. I d- you know, just the way that that workout was going, I, I didn't really have the best opportunity to assess technique as much mm. as just kind of see who was able to make a move where. You know, there, was, there wasn't a really easy way to uh, necessarily count the reps on the thrusters, so I was trying to get as good of a feel as I can of, of who is making moves on um, each of the separate implements then and keep that in mind round to round. Uh, we're talking about uh, the first event that happened today, the final day of the Dubai Fitness Championships. Uh, Matt Fraser was in the booth today uh, for this uh, for the, one of the men's heats, and he shared a lot of good stories. One of the things that he said is he really sung Koski's praise. Uh, he basically said that uh, he held Hos- uh, Koski basically on a – on a on a pedestal uh of for his conditioning i'll start with you chase what what is like because you hear people say oh my god tola is so strong or mm-hmm. oh my god uh daniel brandon is such a great athlete or um holy cow sam briggs can really run what does it mean when he says yeah at the very top of the mountain if you talk what is conditioning well, i don't even know what was fraser referring to probably what do you think just like anaerobic conditioning or, or aerobic capacity is that the be being able to do long distance at a high intensity for that duration. And Koski's always been traditionally very good at that. You know, the, the event ones at the CrossFit games that were either had a swim event in there, obviously his swimming background, just with his background alone and how successful he was and how long he did it for swimmers have an amazing 
like aerobic capacity just based off the sport and the training, which they do for near a decade. And that's what Koski's background is. Take that and bring it into the CrossFit world. You're already walking in as one of the most aerobic conditioned athletes in the game. And now it's like coming in with a weightlifting background from Matt is like, Matt didn't really have to focus on weightlifting anymore. He just had to lift like a normal person. So he could pour all of that into the other side. So it's a huge weapon to come in with that capacity. I think it's a lot easier to develop. I would say um, it's, it's a bit easier to develop that aerobic capacity than it would be say someone who's really, really weak coming into CrossFit, like strength gains take a long, long time to develop. Yeah. You know, Brian raises hand. I'll raise my hand. I still haven't got there and I've been doing this for almost 15 years. I mean, look at someone like Haley Adams, elite aerobic capacity, but she's going to have to focus on strength and really, really focus in singular that. And we see her doing that now just to get herself a, a just a notch up from the bottom. And, and let me take a stab in the dark here when it comes to uh, swimming. One of the byproducts of swimming, whether you uh, are, are in, intentional about it or not, is learning to regulate your breathing, right? Mm, yes. Uh, and, so, and so not only are you building this massive uh, you know, aerobic capacity in this mm-hmm. conditioning, as Fraser said, but you're learning to really pay attention to your breathing and not be sloppy with your breathing. And that is, I am actually shocked that you picked that up because that was something that was a huge weapon. Like, I'm I offended. I'm offended. I'll talk to you. Off well, because no, Okay. That's fine. <laughs> but it, it's, it was a huge weapon for me. It wasn't. So I swam in college. So I had a, a good um, aerobic background coming into CrossFit, but my biggest weapon was my ability to control my breath under maximum fatigue in, in high heart rate. And that comes from the nature of swimming. You're holding your breath and releasing air through your nose constantly through maximum intensity uh, uh, movements. So when you think of something like a wall ball shot, how do you breathe freely during a wall ball shot? Some people don't know how to do that. They hold their breath and then like take breaths intermittently during the rep instead of breathe freely. Can you do that while you do squats? Can you do that while you do kettlebell swings? Can you do that while you do box jump overs? And yes, it's a huge, huge weapon for swimmers because that is basically what they've been working on. And it's one of those things that isn't really picked up on a lot in the fitness community about how easy it is for swimmers to breathe freely during maximum intensity efforts. And it's a huge, huge weapon for people that does need to be practiced and trained, I think, and, and is vastly overlooked in a CrossFit training. Fair. It's a good pickup. Brian, Proud of you, Savan. Thank you, Brian. Were you going to say something? Yeah, and Yonikosi's been able to leverage that skill set into other aspects of CrossFit. We've seen him at the Rogue Invitational and also in this workout today and in many workouts throughout his career be good at moving uh, lighter, moderate weight for a high volume of reps because, like Chase is talking about, he understands how to breathe through that stuff. It's also, he just has hobbies that are like good for maintaining that he likes cross-country skiing he likes going for long bike rides and so that's not even something that he's necessarily doing to try to improve his fitness it's just a fun thing that he does on the days he doesn't have to be in the gym and you know he's at four top 10 finishes in his career at the crossfit game he's only 27 years old it's pretty that's a pretty notable stat and matt fraser recognizes that uh victor machado i've seen this question a few times uh it said that the shirts were CrossFit championships. And any, do you have any insights into why it didn't say uh, Dubai yeah. Fitness Championship? Yeah, they had ordered and printed them before that decision was made. Oh, okay. So, you know, all the all the names and stuff on them are they're like uh, heat pressed on or something. The shirts had been had been ordered a long time ago. Uh, uh, Dubai will be hearing from uh, the general counsel at. CrossFit. <laughs> That's not true. I because, know. Uh, th- 
Dubai reached out and and talked to CrossFit about that and and alerted them that that was a, was the situation and they they worked you know they worked through it together. Great dudes. Um, uh, you asked Matt about why uh, he chose to just have the athletes on the shuttle run cross the line and then return as opposed to touching the line. I thought his answer is fantastic. I mean, yeah, the shuttle run was introduced to. You know, the global CrossFit community this past season during the CrossFit game season. And in every iteration of it, you had to get both feet past the line and reach down and touch the ground. He basically wanted to make it easier on the judges as simple as, as it could be. And I think that that's a good like recognition of the circumstances that you're in. Um, you know, there weren't a ton of judges there. And so to make it a little bit easier on them and the fact that we couldn't have a judge on both sides of the floor, that was an easier standard to uphold. Uh, Brian, was it 10 judges who worked the entire day today? The same 10 judges? I don't know for sure. That's what Matt had said. That's what Matt said. Yeah. Uh, And and that's pretty impressive, right? It's rough. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like you said about the broadcast earlier, it's like five hours or whatever it is. And there is a little bit of downtime between, but that's a lot of heats. Um, It's a big time competition. You know, the races were tight and, uh, it's a lot of responsibility if it's a, if you don't get a break every once in a while. Were the judges told to be? Um, were the judges briefed on 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 movements like, hey, um, if you're not sure if there's hip extension, give them a warning first? Or it seems like I just didn't see a lot of no reps, and, and by no means is that a criticism. Maybe it's just all the athletes were amazing. Or, but but I'm suspecting that the judges were briefed like, hey, don't interfere with the competition unless it's flagrant. Yeah, and in the buildup to the uh, competition and competition days, I always try to be like as tuned into everything as I can. But it's it's impossible to be everywhere at once. What I do know is that there were there were athlete briefs both days, two hours prior to the start of competition, and that the judges were present for that. And then additionally, after the athletes left to go starting getting ready for their competition day, the judges stayed behind with the head judges for a further meeting. So they were definitely there for both the athlete brief and the judges brief to follow. What was communicated at the judges brief, I wasn't able to be at because I had other things to do. There seems to be the least complaining about the judges. So I guess this is a prop to the judges that I've heard in a long time coming out of a uh, an event. I haven't heard it. I, I haven't heard any complaining. I think because it was, regardless if you think it was lenient or not, it was at least consistent. Right. We didn't have a lane five judge out there that was different than everybody else. Right. Right. You're just like, oh, I got lane three, which is a skinny one, but you weren't worried about what judge you're getting, <laughs> possibly. Right. Fair. So I think when it comes to that, it's like, as long as we're all playing by the same rules if everybody gets soft lockouts on their dumbbell thrusters, as long as everybody gets them and we're all doing the same thing, you're not going to hear a lot of complaints. But if one person is getting hammered by one judge and it's different than everybody else, that's where you see the com- the complaints and the uh, frustration start to rise up. As an example, not to... Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, you know, Fraser has talked about this in the past also, where he thinks that there are certain movements that are you know, very difficult to judge in competition. And in, mm-hmm. in particular, he has said in the past that a box jump should no longer be programmed, especially in a, in a online competition. 
make them hmm. jump, uh, do a box jump over because it's very clear. You start on one side and you get over it. The hip extension at the top of the box jump becomes a gray area that people are going to nitpick to the end of time. He chose the burpee box clear over, even mm -hmm. less room for error in that, really. You jump all the way over the box. What else are you going to do? You jump over it. So, And, of course, there's certain movements like dumbbell thrusters, like ring muscle-ups, where you could have those little nuanced things that people have been pointing out throughout the season. But like Chase said, until there's something obviously different or noticeably strange compared to everything else happening on the floor, then things just go on as usual, and it, the consistency wins at the end of the day. Uh, so, so, so maybe some kudos also to the programmer, uh, H HWPO for being I, No, I think that Matt is, um, you know, there's a lot of factors going into it. You know, he, he wants, he wants to program the best competition that he can. He wants to factor in, is this a balance test? Am I hitting the time domains? But he has a fixed window of time that we can have the competition. There's prior times he has to consider. There's limited equipment available and all of those things factor into that. I still think that they did a fairly good job of choosing movements uh, and, and movement patterns. And I was really happy with the workout flows. There were some things that we had to change because of the size of the floor. And we wanted to advance the barbell on the from the um, cleans to the front squats to the shoulder to overhead, but because of what had happened with Lazar Jukic hmm. and bumping into a barbell in a previous day, they decided to do the stagger start and let them do them all in one spot. But in general, the flow of the workouts I thought was really easy for spectators and on site and at home to follow. And I think all of those elements are, yeah, a testament to the attention to detail that that team put in. Brian, was that um, chip timing or was it only all for time? the Burj Khalifa challenge? They should have gone the width of the field then. The width of the field? Yeah. Why does that matter? Oh. Chip versus timer? Well, if oh, okay. chip timing has a, usually has a line in the competition floor that you cross to trip the chip timer. But if there was all hand timing, the lanes are irrelevant when it comes to the end of the day. It's just, where do we start? Where do we finish? And in the clean uh, front squat or the power clean front squat overhead, well, if that's the case, then line them up one through 10, the length of the floor going the width, and you, then you could advance your barbell. I'm just making something up after the fact. Obviously, this is like armchair quarterback stuff. But if you really did want to advance the bar, make the call. Just go the width of the field, advance every two lanes, and then you got a finisher. Oh, it's, it's hand timing, so it doesn't matter. You're, you're not screwing up any uh, chip finished. I, I didn't understand why you would do that, but you're saying use the lines like that. Well, if you want to see the bar advance, that's right. that's all I'm right. saying. Right. We had talked about a few different options. No one had, had brought that one up. We'll get to this in a bit, um, Liz. I just want to say, uh, uh, Liz, all right, I'm impressed seeing the head judge nowhere at Fikowski. Yeah, that was a, a $40,000. No, from 50 to 10 I think uh, I think third's twenty thousand. I thought it was ten thousand as well, but I went back and looked. Right. I think it's twenty. Th the thirty thousand dollar, the thirty thousand uh, dollar no. no rep. Okay, so in that event, uh, uh, Fabian uh, uh, wins uh, with sixty three reps. Then Yanakowski, uh, and um, Anyola Kai. Anyola Kai, thank you. And then for the women, uh, as uh, oh shit, is that going to happen every time? God, you know what would have been a terrible tiebreaker, Brian. Your first round of dumbbell thrusters. Terrible and like the painful essence. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, Claudia Gluck, Lena Richter, and Jamie uh, Simmons. And then we move over to event number six. Let's see if I can push the right button here. And we go to uh, heavy handed. And it's four time. Uh, 
double unders with a heavy rope. How heavy is that rope? Four pounds? Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Uh, uh, 100-foot sandbag carry, 200 pounds for the men, 150 for the women. I really like that. 50 chest of bar, and then another uh, sandbag carry for 100 feet, 200 and 150 pounds, and then finish with the maybe four-pound uh, heavy rope. Chase, is there a standard for, for a heavy rope? Depends. You can have heavy handles. You can have thick, heavier cables. You could have both. Uh, there's just there's a lot of different ways you can make it heavier or tougher to spin around. Uh, Fraser had originally wanted to do this workout with drag ropes. They were mm-hmm. unable to get the drag ropes, so they went for the heavy rope. He was a little bit disappointed in that, and he explained to me that the drag rope is going to have a more fatiguing effect on the shoulder, whereas the heavy rope is going to be more fatiguing on the grip. Given the whole the context of the day and how much shoulder stability was required in the final workout, which was also due to a, a forced change, um, I think that this actually worked out well. And I like, if that is the case, I'm not good enough really double unders to use either of those ropes very well. But if that is the case that it taxes the grip, I, then I really like this workout even more because as you saw, not all the athletes could grip all the way around the sandbag. And obviously you need your grip to do 50 chest bar pull-ups. What's a drag rope? Chase. It's uh, <laughs> it's like a soft cable. It's uh, think of it like a really long shoelace. Uh huh. Is that the best kind of way to describe it, Brian? It have I seen one before a, in the games? They used it at stage one of the 2020 games, I believe, okay. for the uh, the final event. It had the uh, it was basically like GHD Annie with some power cleans in there, and it doesn't have it doesn't have a ball bearing, so it doesn't spin. You have to you have to turn it over physically twice each time, which. As Matt was saying, it's more fatiguing on the shoulders because you actually have to get the whole body in there where if you got that ball bearing and a heavy weighted rope, it's just still from the wrists, a little bit more in the biceps, but it definitely is more grip intensive. Can I Google drag rope? Is that like yeah. an official I think, name? Or is that- does RX Smart Gear make those? Oh, okay. I see it. it, it, it it's an old, it's, it's a, yeah, it's an, kind of an old school. It looks rope. like your child's jump rope that you'd get them for funsies. Yeah. Now they've made them all fancy and pretty looking. Yeah, you know, we were uh, we were uh, just a piece we of actual brainstorming. Rope. We were brainstorming names for these workouts uh, this morning. Was you, it was, uh, we were, did, was this yours? Which? Well, we were struggling with the drag rope. We'd come with a lot oh, of options there, okay. and it wasn't very good. When we found out we had to use the heavy rope, this I said I thought of heavy-handed instantly, and and we was. That's we a good name. There's some good names this weekend. There are three that I can um, take credit for. Okay, so he, I, this is I've seen this heavy rope before. I think I own this, and I've, it's never been used. It's probably never been unwrapped. This is the one with the steel cable. This thing is basically like a, a fucking weapon. Yeah, that <laughs> Zeus rope. You'll see a lot of those. Uh, is, is is this what is this what Matt was hoping for? No, no, He's Matt hoping, was hoping no. for the drag rope. Is yeah. this what they used? Did you did it look like a steel cable like this? It had a yellow casing on it. Okay. Um, but that may have been what was underneath. Yeah. 55 bucks for a jump rope piece of steel. I think uh, just about what they all cost. I guess, I guess you're right. What a great, what a great business to be in the jump rope business. Oh, uh, why did, what happened to Taylor? How, why did she pull herself out of the competition? Uh, tendonitis is what I was told. I did see her this morning. I was uh, in the hotel here. Um, icing her wrist and her hand a little bit. She said she had a few niggles after yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's very similar to Con Porter, just kind of in the interest of the rest of the season. Uh, it wasn't feeling better when she got into the flow of the workout, so she just decided to call it for today. Uh, 
Phil McCracken. Phil McCracken. Hmm. Your sandwich is ready on table six. Um, and and Manon uh, Anganese, I saw her standing out there, and then she didn't go, and then I thought maybe she had pulled herself out, and then in the first men's heat, I saw her join the pack. One, has that what happened? And two, have you ever seen that before, where they, they ran a, a woman with the men? I was trying to think about that on the air. Derek was saying this may be the first time that I've ever uh, this has ever happened, and something in my mind is telling me that I've seen it before, but I want to place it. You you remember when it was? I mean, they would run ten men and ten women at the same time during the same event, but I mean, but I mean, have you ever oh. seen it? Like, say something goes wrong, like you go out there and your rower doesn't work, and so they're like, "Fine, we'll just stick you in the men's seat." I mean, they're lucky that it was all the same. That like. I thought that was a cool move that at I least too. let her be with people to compete against. Sometimes you just see him, okay, run it on your own. And but it's no fault of her own to be by herself. So I thought that was a, a classy move. What happened, uh, Brian? What, did, was her rope broken? She was just standing yeah, out there I, looking I think, at a rope and then she went over to her head judge. Yeah. As, as far as I could tell, I had, I didn't see her after the competition. I didn't think to ask the judge about it, but she, I, it looked like she picked up the rope and the handle and her right hand just fell off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not 100% sure of that, but that's what it looked like to us. And I thought, as I've been saying about the athletes, I thought she handled this situation very well. She called over the head judge. I mean, there's obviously nothing you can do at that point other than let the judge know and trust that they're going to make a, a decision that gives you the best opportunity. Um, they took her to the side, had a conversation. They did take her into the back, I think, to resize the rope or give her a new rope. And then I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, because uh, originally I thought we chase it. They'd just have her go on her own. Um, but it, it turns out that there was an empty heat, a lane for the men because of Simon withdrawing the previous day. And I thought that was a great decision to let her do it with them. And I think she ended up actually taking fifth in the workout. Uh, Bruce Wayne, as soon as she went to do jumps, the rope came off the handle. There we go. Good times. Uh, heavy-handed uh, Matilda Garns, who I can't remember. I think it was Brian said needed to be watched uh, all weekend uh, takes first place, then Emily Rolf, then Andrea Solberg, and a name we just keep hearing uh, all week, uh, Karen Frey. Any surprises here, guys? I would say of those four, uh, Emily Rolf doing well on this workout was the most surprising to me. You know, Matilda Garn's upper body pulling is phenomenal. Same with Andrea Solberg. I actually was uh, quite impressed with how she handled the sandbag in this one. And like you said, Karen Freire is pretty much good at everything. Uh, Emily Rolf also had a pretty good weekend, but amongst those four, she would be the one that kind of just stuck out to me. Have we reached this sort of, are, are we in a sandbag era? Hmm. <laughs> uh, is, is, see, games trends tend to trickle into the off-season competitions afterwards. So capital with the sandbag, Husafel carries in the, you know, you see that trend? I feel like we see that a lot, right? Something happens at the game. I mean, shoot, look at shuttle runs. Or sometimes it's what, – what about – yeah, shuttle runs also, yeah. But, but what about this? Could, could it be the other way around that sand do, – do things ever filter from the – we're talking about a, sort of a top-down effect. Maybe the sandbags have been around, and, and it was just the games that finally caught up. Hmm. I think the first sandbags we really saw come into play was probably – I mean, I in Carson, to... they had to throw those bags up over the wall. Maybe that was in 2010. Yeah, but before that, they had to run out the hill at Aromas. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the okay. same kind of sandbag, but we've seen sandbags throughout basically the entire history of the CrossFit Games. 
Anything like the 2017 finals really got that on the map. What was that workout? It was a bike, cal, buy-in into burpee box jump overs and then 10 sandbag cleans to the finish line. That's what really got, I think, sandbags pumped in there pretty hard. When it was 100%, 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And so that, that finale was based off that. So maybe it was 2016 that really got it moving Going. because then they just really had D balls. And then the strongman bag came out in 2017, which is really like a, a D ball. You could sweat and use, I think, you know, having that, um, fabric makes it a lot easier to use in, in workouts than a D ball does. Uh, it's it, you're suggesting this the, when the fabric gets wet, it's, 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 it's worse where the D ball it's, no, I, I think it's better, right? The D ball gets the, oh. really slick if you're sweating, okay. but like the fabric's just going to soak it up. So it's a lot easier to manage under fatigue or while you're sweating in a, a workout. Uh, and here we go again. Uh, Fabian Benito takes his uh, second consecutive first place victory. Brent Fikowski stays close to him in second place. Uh, Caravas uh, in uh, third and Anol. Anol Kai. Anol. When am I going to get that? Nice. Anol. I know. When am I going to get it on my own? Anol Akai. Um, it's takes, better than what you were calling him. <laughs> takes uh fourth uh brian how many of these guys speak english when you're when you talk to them of these 20 oh um Fabio Benito, not so much obviously fakowski yes yorgos can get by and yol speaks pretty good english he's also doing a masters of psychology program right now and although he's kind of emerging as a competitive crossfit athlete he has intentions of of continuing on with a career in that field after continuing his uh, finishing his studies. Moritz speaks English great. Alex Gutulis is all right. Yona's very good. So more 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 do speak English than not. Okay, and same with the women. Oh, I, I, I just have to look at the leaderboard. I think it's yeah, I think it's probably like seventy five percent of them English pretty good. Okay, uh, of the we men, just, so, had- we just happened to get uh, two champions that are on the, the lower end in terms of <laughs> it's not just that they, you know, it's, it's one thing like they're be, Fab, both Fabian and Karen Frey would do better in a conversation with you in private than they would in front of a crowd with a microphone. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, and down is this playing out? Uh, oh, it, Com Porter's out here. Oh, what happened to this guy? Seem, seem, oh, we talked about him already. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, 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 does this play out the way you think it would when you see uh, Lazar and Luca down here at the bottom? Are you like is this nail in the coffin kind of? I have to talk about those two completely separately this weekend. I don't think Lazar ever really recovered from what happened to him Friday morning at the Burj Khalifa. Um, I'm not sure if it was, you know, at this point, just looking at the totality of work that he did, I'm not sure if it was a, a, the best decision for him to continue on. You know, he loves being out there. His parents came to watch his competition. Uh, I think he was a pretty, um, you know, but it just didn't look like the same guy that we've seen at the games the last two years. And now we've seen unfortunate situation happen to him at Rogue, followed by this. So somewhat of a, of a bummer of an offseason for Lazar. And so I wouldn't, I'm not weighing this too heavily. I just think he didn't recover well from what, whatever that incident ended up really being. So you're going to give him, he gets a pass for this. You're not going to let this influence your, your future thoughts. No, no. He's kind of like, we have to wait and see still. We don't have enough data points to find out if he, if he's toast. Oh, we, no, I mean, 
look, he won the semifinal in Europe last year. He won the Madrid Championship in September. He placed eighth at the CrossFit Games. Like, there's plenty of good data points for him this season. Breaking your ankle or rolling your ankle or whatever happened at the Rogue Invitational is a is a freak thing. And this thing that happened to him at the Burj Khalifa, the only thing that's kind of notable about it is, and, and he talked to me about this, is it also happened in the Capital Workout where he just went in, you know, beyond uh, uh, the line too far and paid the price for it. And so he's, I think that he intends to try to maybe do some um, work with some nutrition coach or get some blood work done and see if there's anything going on there so we can prevent that from happening in, in future competitions. Uh, that would take us to event number seven. seven. That gives us uh, two, two events left. And event number seven is Barbell Furious. Uh, ten cleans, ten front squats, ten shoulder overhead, all with the same uh, – oh, I didn't share it. Sorry. Uh, ten, ten cleans, ten front squats, ten shoulder overhead, all with the same bar, 220 pounds for the men, 154 pounds for the women. I was pretty darn impressed. I was pretty darn impressed with these guys. This was nuts. Uh, were you surprised at how fast these times were? I was surprised by how fast Karen Frey's time was. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. This was crazy. So I, I actually did this exact workout with uh, 165 pounds, which I'm not exactly sure what the kilos ended up being, but it was pretty close to this. And I finished it in, in 225, I think, or 235. Mm. Karen Frey was done with 20 reps in 49 seconds. Crazy. <laughs> and, and so this, this is a typo. This is a typo here, seconds. right? Uh, her name it's no, not no. Frey. It's Karen Frey, oh, not yeah. Freyova, right? No, that's her real name. She just goes by Frey when she okay. competes. Um, and you look at number two there, Dana Paran, Olympic weightlifter in, in her former uh, athletic pursuits. So we thought this might be a good workout for us. Sure enough, it was. And those two women were, you know, well clear, 40 plus seconds clear of the third place finishers. Those scores from Karen and Dana, like that makes me wish that Laura Horvath and Tia Claire Toomey were in this field just to see Man. how elite those times actually are. Yeah. Uh, she did it in half the time of basically – uh, Jamie Simmons, Burke, uh, Sahar, uh, Maria, Lena Richter, Amy Kringle, Andrea Solberg, and Valentina uh, Magalotti. She... Oh, shit. She did it. She almost did yeah. it in one third the time of the 18th yeah. placed athlete. Yeah. And I, when, when the work, someone asked me this week uh, on, on Thursday, which event is Karen Frey going to win this weekend? And I said, Barbell Furious. She may do well on some other ones, but that one's going to be a, a slam dunk for her. And ha even having said that, I was not expecting a sub one one thirty time. Uh, Chase, so so that's not only she's strong, she's conditioned well, but her technique is impeccable. Her shoulder to overhead were absolutely beautiful. And, and, and when you say that, what do you mean? What do you see? Well, the the thing that you, when you want to see good technique and good positioning, Karn Frey has amazing, Justin Medeiros is another one of those athletes has great positioning overhead. But if, if you get to watch it again and see how hard those reps actually were for her to do, and she was only capable of that because of the technique that she had, it was, it was unbelievable. I don't think anybody, I think she went unbroken through the front squats right into the overhead and nobody else did that. Not one person. So she, did she do the entire thing unbroken? I think she did some, 
what I saw a lot of athletes do in her specifically is like come out with a set of unbroken touch and go power cleans. Once that started to get tough, a couple quick singles, but I think she went right into her front squats from her last, her 10th power clean and coming out of that 10 shoulder overhead. The last three all looked like maybes, but with her power and technique and good positioning, she was able to get those last three reps. It was unbelievable. Brian, did anyone go uh, unbroken in the men or the women? I think she was the closest to doing that, but no, I don't think so. And and and, and, I, fall- and, I, and look, the original version of the workout we said with the advancing the barbells, they would have had to drop it and roll it in between. The fact that they ended up doing it this way allowed for her to show a different level of strength and capacity that we would have seen otherwise. And I'm actually kind of glad that we got to see that. And Reggie Fosso attempted on un- he won, but he attempted unbroken right, but failed his first uh, rep shoulder overhead. Yeah, but he he that's exactly what happened for him. And in the meantime, Fabian Benito uh, dropped after nine front squats. His judge was standing there holding one rep, and he cleaned it and started doing – he did two shoulder-to-overhead reps before he realized what was going on. He didn't drop the bar. He did a front squat, then did, I think, two more, dropped it, re-picked it up, and finished out – and still finished second despite making that mistake and doing two extra shoulder-to-overheads. And we talked about how little nuances from the previous workout might have changed the overall outcome. But if he just – not made that mistake. And then those two extra reps, he might've gotten points back here against Reggie Fox. We are mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah. That is, uh, that was pretty amazing to see that they're separated by five seconds. Exactly. And I'm guessing that that cost him the win that he did that. That was really oh, just hands dis- down. Yeah. Yeah. So basically he did two reps. The ref said, Hey, you didn't finish the front squats. He had to put the bar down again. Right. And then do the front squat. Well, he, he had done two and he was, he saw the rep like waving his hands. He did another one. Then he brought it down and he's like, you have one more front squat. He did the front squat. He might've done one or two more, but he, mm-hmm. at that point he had to break. Cause he, he, although he'd done three or four reps, it only counted as two reps. We'll just say. And then once he picked it up, he was able to finish the remainder of the set and, and still take second place in the workout. And it was actually the second workout in a row that he made an execution error on the floor. He'd done only 74 heavy double unders and had ran five feet forward. His judge mm. sent him back to do one more rep mm. and he still went on to win that workout. So even though he had a first and a second in this workout, he, he had, he didn't have a clean run in either one of them. Uh, Yannikoski, uh, one forty five. That's pretty impressive. Pretty damn impressive. Was the weight actually 220 pounds? No, 220. That's what, what did he, I say? You said uh, 100 kilos is 220. Okay, so it was 220 pounds. Um, God, I would have thought that would have been heavy for him. Well, you know, remember what uh, we were talking about with Yona Kosia earlier. He's not a one-trick pony. We saw him do heavy DT with a or DT with a spin. Excuse me, at Rogue, extremely well, also. And you know, clearly, this is still not heavy enough for him to have an issue with the barbell cycling. Uh, down here. Uh, in sixth place, not that far down, we have Brent Fikowski. Tons of range of motion for him. He was, I saw this on the previous event. No, not the, the first one of the day with the dumbbell thrusters. And he just has a slower cycle rate, especially on the squats. If you go back and look at the difference between him and Fabian, they were right next to each other. And a lot of that is just strength. And some of that is control. Like Brent is a very control oriented dictating athlete. Um, if you go back and look at his dumbbell thrusters, they were really, really slow reps. He wasn't just dropping into the bottom. He was 
very deliberate with his movement. And that could be with just making sure the dumbbells don't get out of position. So for Brandon, it didn't look like it was, there's anything wrong. He just didn't have the same pop like a lot of the other athletes did, especially in the front squats, which can take a lot out of your legs for the overhead at the end. I would say this, Seven, to, to your point, Fasa, Benito, Koski, Fibic, Karavis, the guys that beat him, on average, Brent is probably six inches taller than them. Yeah, it, it, it looked, I can't tell if he moved slower than them or if it's just so much further to go that it looks slower. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's, he's running 40 yards, they're running 20 yards. Yeah, but Brent is, even even though the workout's only taking a minute and, and 48, 50 seconds for him, whatever, he's still meticulous in his approach. He wasn't, and at no point did he look rushed through the workout. Right. He, he didn't He didn't have any no reps. Like, he's maximizing his opportunity on that workout, and the sixth-place finish, I think, is very good for him in this workout. Uh, cruising to the final event. Very, very close race uh, with everyone. Do you want to add something before we move over there, Brian? I'm just tired. So I was, I, I was thinking we hadn't talked about the women yet on that one, but we did. Uh, event eight uh, result. That's my job to forget shit like that. Please don't do that. Uh, event eight results walking with the devil. Was that yours too? This one was mine. It was yeah. a, uh, I, I can't believe they was... allowed that. <laughs> well, it's the last minute change. So, this was not the original intent for this workout. I think it ended up working out in our favor because as we talked about earlier of the drama at the end of the finish, it was supposed to be a yoke carry at the last part of this, of this oh. workout, but because of the lane situation, the, the, they weren't wide enough with the plates on the yokes. So we called an audible and did the double dumbbell overhead walking lunge. The distance that we ended up using was in contention even during the athlete briefing today, but we wanted to use the full floor. So we went with the, the longer of the two options, um, knowing that they would be unlikely to see anyone do it unbroken, but hoping that it would create some dramatic finishes, which obviously was the result and was uh, a decision that um, everyone who was involved in it felt really good about at the end of the day. So you're telling me there were 10 yokes at the venue? 15. <laughs> But, but they didn't fit in the lanes. Yep. Um, I like this better. I'm gonna, I, I like it a lot, but I just want to say something that's kind of obvious. Didn't they need to figure that out before they made the lanes? You know what, Seven? Come on over next year and experience. <laughs> I'm no Andrew the, Hiller. I just have <laughs> questions. I can't do anything better than anyone. I, 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 I we'll take good care of you here. We'll, we'll take you out. We'll show you a, a royal experience in, in Dubai. Uh, Jethro Cardona, great coverage. <laughs> Thanks to Brian and his knowledge of commentary. Sevy for setting it up and Chase for showing up with his beard. Oh, uh, you just tell my wife that she freaking hates this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I got your 10 bucks. Uh, yeah. you need to call uh, last Chase's. night. Last night, I was very enthralled by your beard. Today, I'm intrigued by your shirt. Oh, this whole thing, yeah. baseball tee. He's regularly rolling out new versions of the OG swag. <laughs> Uh, dense pressing on day three really made the overhead walking lunge a great finish movement. Uh, burpee thruster, handstand walk, uh, ring muscle up. Devil's press. Devil's press. Seven. Thank you. Be careful there, Savan. Yeah, I know. I almost, I almost swerved into danger zone. Uh, okay. So yeah, the but first we know that uh, contributor, and there's no chance that that's what you'd be referring to. Uh, um, and not in Dubai. Unbroken <laughs> handstand walk. But but it, it wasn't. Was, but, no, it wasn't. 
It wasn't unbroken. This was um so because the yoke was originally supposed to be there, they couldn't have traversed the entire lane. And so we were gonna have them do a down and back uh, each section of it would have had to be unbroken. When they mm. changed it to the full thing, they abandoned the unbroken nature of it. So this the whole was, thing. So you could fall ten times what would ha- so you could fall ten times and and do it and not go back to the beginning? Yeah, to judge just like they were doing with the lunges, they would just mark the spot where you last had had your hands on the ground, and then you'd have to start beyond that and continue forward. Okay. And uh, did any? Did, this is that... somewhat. I mean, this you're pulling this from the Barben website. This is somewhat on me. Those changes, these changes were made so late, and they're pulling this information from a document that I had created, so I didn't have a chance to go and edit that that little uh, nuance of it. Um, the hundred feet became ninety feet, so there were just some small things. So I apologize for that. And uh, when when these things happen, what's the protocol? Do you guys talk to Fraser and be like, like out of a, at least a courtesy, like, hey Matt, we don't have the yoke. Uh, what would you like? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We had a count. That, that was um, Fraser, O'Keefe, Marconi, Harry Pally, Saud, and myself, uh, uh, Rowan, and, and Craig, the head judges. All of us were involved in that conversation and how we wanted to, you know, implement the required, the necessary changes based on the current situation. Everyone cool? Anyone get a, like huffy, puffy, and dramatic? Like, oh, or is it like, yeah, oh, we no. got to do this? Everyone's it flows. Okay. This was my favorite workout in testing with the yoke. Okay. Uh, I did bar muscle-ups instead of ring muscle-ups, but otherwise I did the um, women's version of this workout, and uh, meaning the 35-pound devil's press. And then the yoke, I, I couldn't even do the, the original weight for the women. I did a 400-pound yoke, but um, and I loved it. So when I heard that that was the case, I was like, no, they're not taking the yoke out of it. But as soon as they told me why, I realized there's no, there was no other option. We'd already explored going to heats of five instead of 10, but with the time constraints at the venue, that wasn't a possibility either. And when they mentioned that they were going to do this instead, <clears throat> I was thinking, actually, this is probably going to be a pretty cool finish. So let's go with it. Uh, so I went from the handstand walk to the 20 ring muscle ups, to the devil's press, to the dumbbell overhead walking lunge. This, uh, when, when they were setting up the rings, they said that they allowed the athletes to pick from a, a variety of heights. Is this something new at events that sort of been adopted or has it been around? No, you're shaking your head. No, you're saying a lot of events have done this in the past chase. A lot of adjustment. I mean, it's probably, I don't know, maybe what 25% you'll see some have the, it's, it's a luxury. It's a luxury to have the time. Rarely would you be able to see something like this, maybe at like a Wadapalooza where there's just so much going on. The timeline is so tight. The CrossFit Five, games. 500 athletes. Right. It's, I think it's more like 1,700, but it's, it's okay. a lot. I think right? it's and over 2,500 in recent Is it 2,500 now? Jesus. But you know, you see that at Rogue, like they can take the time and, and make sure everybody's set up. So you, you'll see that at some events that they have the availability to it. Uh, and it depends on the rings, right? Is it the straps that you zip up through the, uh, you know, the little clips or is it the competition ones where they have designated heights? I lo- I really like that they did this for the athletes. Me too. Me too. So the, the, um, this was the process that they, that they went through here. What, you know, what should we do about the rings? We want to try to create an opportunity for everyone to get the full momentum of the full kip. Uh, they're currently at 94 inches. There's, there's two factors in play. We have one riser from Rogue per lane. Is Are there any women that are unable to reach the 94-inch riser? Uh, and what are we going to do about that? And are there any men who won't be able to get that full kip? And if that's the case, we want to give them the option of 98. So we gathered all the men, and there were five or six guys that said that they wanted to do that. Fraser said, okay, you guys come with me and show me. And all of those guys showed that their oh. feet would hit the ground with their normal kip. 
so they made a note of their names because this was the final so they wouldn't know even what heat or lane they would necessarily be in and then mm. they just said when we find out what lane brent fakowski is in we'll know that brent fakowski is one of these six athletes it's going to have an adjustment to his rings i think there was only one woman who was having an issue with that and they came up with a solution for her as well and uh, everyone was happy with it. They were, I think the athletes were appreciative of the fact that HWPO took the time to make sure that everyone had a fair opportunity on the set of 20 ring muscle-ups. Um, and then it just was, you know, one guy with the ladder. And he went out there and made, I think there were two changes in the first heat of men. They changed them back for the women. And then I think four changes in the final heat of men, or three because Con Porter had been one of those guys as well. And so everyone was able to do muscle-ups as they normally would. So you couldn't just say, make the rings shorter for me. You actually had to show that your feet drag on the ground. I think every event should have three heights. Marked out on the rings. And you just get to choose. Yeah, I mean, when when the yoke was in play for this workout, they had three height options for the women. Right, if you do it for a yoke, which they've done at the games. Yeah. You should do it for some rings. Uh, Matilda Garns, once again, uh, cra- crazy, uh, impressive, uh, 7.02 finish, beat the rest of the pack by 30 seconds. Uh, really impressive. Is she going to the games? Has she been to the game? She went to the games last year? Last year. 18th at the games last year. Karen Frey, 20th mm-hmm. at the games last year. So Matilda beat Karen at the games. We'll obviously get to the overall results, but Karen beats Matilda here. And yeah, we talked about Matilda Garns. Upper body pulling strength, especially for a woman of her size. I think she's about five, six, or seven is phenomenal. And she separated herself from the entire women's field on those ring muscle-ups. Uh, I think she had gotten at least five, if not 10 reps of the devil's press done before anyone else was coming there. And she was halfway through the lunge before anyone else even thought about touching the dumbbells. Um, so being in that position, she was kind of able to compose herself. I think that if she needed to, she might've been able to go a little bit faster on the lunge, but the event win is the event win at that point. What country? Norway. And it's actually Garnes. It's not Garns. We've been saying Garnes. Long. Yeah. Matilda Garnes. Garnes. Yeah. And um, Bella Martin was the one who, who, uh, advised me of that she learned that from her at a previous competition that she'd emceed earlier in the season Hmm. does the new pathway to the games the adjustments made to the path to the games affect her in a positive or negative way to be determined i think that she would have been relevant either in either of the scenarios um what remains to be seen is how many spots are going to be given to europe if they get more than 10 spots which i believe that they will uh, then that's a good thing for her because one semifinal or two, it makes it easier for the you know top 10 women, uh, which I consider her to be one of them in Europe, to to qualify. All right. Fair enough. Oh, well, uh, has she done team before? I don't think so. Someone is sending me uh, screenshots of their OnlyFans right now. I, mm. I appreciate that. Maybe you could hold off and tell them over the uh, after the podcast. <laughs> give you. I'm. I. You know, this Careful is with that crazy. screen share. Uh, oh, good point. Very good point. I better just close that out. Okay. Thank you, Chase. That's yeah. some. Hey, that looking out. Because I run some of my podcasts aren't games related. I cover a variety of subjects and uh, the OnlyFans stuff getting crossed over. With uh, Brian Team in 2018 CrossFit Max Plus Max Pulse. Oh, okay. Why? How many affiliates are there in Norway? What's going on over there? Mm. Let's see. We're racing Norway affiliate map CrossFit. Damn, I shouldn't have typed in Norway. Shit. Do I even know what Norway's in Asia? Just kidding. Uh, 
Croatia. Norway, uh, two, four, six, 25 plus 13 is 38 plus 18 is 56 plus seven is, oh shit, there's more up there. Uh, let's say 62 plus 16 is 88 plus seven. I may have fucked that up. 95 affiliates there. God, it looks like, wow. So that whole region's, I wonder how they're doing. Well, uh, there's a guy, Roger Grios, who puts on several, several uh, different variations of, of good, really well-run competitions in Norway every year. Obviously, the Norwegian athletes participate those participate in those very well. And um, But Matilda Garns, Seher Kaya, who trains up there, Lena Richter, who is in this competition, they're all part of the Krieger training program, with which is uh, kind of led by Kristen Holta, among others. And so while there are a ton of affiliates across Norway, as we're starting to see in Spain, in Russia, there's these congregations in Iceland of athletes coming to one location, the high-level athletes, and doing a lot of their training, even if they're not doing the same training in the same facilities. God, look what's going on in France. Crazy. Holy shit. France is exploding. I remember when no one did CrossFit there. Nuts. Okay. 820. God, Africa's booming too. Just kidding. <laughs> China. God, you guys could use some CrossFit. Uh, okay, where were we? Where were we got, got distracted. Got distracted. No event. Um, we were talking about um, how great Matilda Garnis did from Norway, uh, 702. Uh, Hannah Carlson, who'd been looking at the whole week, uh, I, I, I say this with peace and love, shit the bed. <laughs> That's just not even nice. <laughs> Look, and everyone Carlson. shits the bed. Everyone shits the bed. It's just, it's just a matter of when. I guess that's the case, and she's maybe not the only person. If you look at you know the totality of her events, she had six of the eight inside the top 11, a 15th on heavy-handed, which had the chest of our pull-ups in the middle being the critical component of that workout for most of the athletes, and 18th on the walking with the devil, and she again gave away a majority of the ground on the ring muscle-ups. So while Matilda Garnis is excelling at that, Anna Carlson is, has been you know shown to be her one weakness this weekend relative to everything else, the upper body pulling. Uh, she took 18th place, which was last place. Uh, but uh, and I say this with uh, all all peace and love. Like even look at Lena Richter. Uh, we've if 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 you if you get if you do good at something and we get your eye, then the bad shit you do is going the places you struggle. Sorry, not bad are also going to be highlighted. That's she has a Brian for Lena. It looked like she had a, an overhead positioning deficiency. Who's this? Hannah Carlson? Uh, no, Lena Richter. Oh, um, she, she just didn't look uh, like the most. You're talking about Barbell Furious where she took 15th. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, I'm saying shit. what it looked like, right? Wow. Good dig, Chase. You've, you've sniffed she's something not, out. Um, yeah, she, she's not, she was not coming into this weekend at a hundred percent and there were, and she had mentioned that the overhead stuff would be uh, the most difficult for her. Uh, mm -hmm. and so she still had a you know a pretty good weekend finishing right in the middle of the pack there. But yeah, I think that in the case of the heavy snatches, the shoulder overheads and barbell furious, um, the dumbbell thrusters, and then the overhead lunge, that that overhead in a little bit of instability based on maybe not competing at 100% was exposed in half of the workouts. Okay. 
Uh, Simarat Singh, uh, when I think of CrossFit, I get hard. Oh, that's cool. All right. And to Singh's question earlier, there's 847 affiliates in India. No shit. Are there really? Mm-hmm. Hey, that means there's 32,000 knockoff gyms. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> that's people, people who aren't paying the dues, oh, wait, but, no. but using the methodology. I don't believe there's 800 in India. No, probably. that's not right. That was added with France and Norway. I believe there's six in India. <laughs> Let me do that over again. There's certain countries that will never pay. That will never. That it's culturally not easy. Watch out, people. It's culturally not appropriate to uh, pay homage to uh, when the rest of us think it, it is. Uh, okay. Um, going over to the oh, men. 27. <laughs> That's a big difference. Okay. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> go back. To, let's go back to the. So Karen Frey dominated. She finishes the competition, takes the 50, 50 Gs, uh, 705 points. Um, Garnis uh, with uh, second place, tied with Emily Rolf. Why does she get second? Did, did she have an event win and Emily Rolf didn't? Is that? I think she had two event wins. Yeah, Matilda Garnis won both heavy-handed and walking with the devil. No event wins for ever, Emily Rolf. Matilda Garnis was in sixth place coming into the final workout, and we talked about on the broadcast how everyone down to that was still mm. in contention for the podium. She was going to need big points to have a chance, but she also needed a lot of things to break her way. Both Jamie Simmons and Oyana Moya, who were the two of the women that she needed to overtake, struggled on that one, which allowed her to not just climb onto the podium, but it's a tie Emily Rolf and beat her on the tie break for second overall. And she, like you said, I mean, she destroyed the pack. Yeah, very I mean, impressive workout for her. It was somewhat on par with what Karen Frey did in the Barbell Furious relative to this field. It's just that I think there – that I'm not – like I said, I would love to see uh, Horvath and Toomey do that that Barbell Furious workout and know just how good that time was from Karen Frey. Uh, she did it in seven minutes, and last place did it – got capped. In, in, At 11 in, minutes. Yeah. Uh it, two two people. Uh, is this the only workout where we saw people get capped all week? I mean, even so, there were two women capped there. We saw one person get capped on the uh, legless rope climbs in the men. I think there were you know just very few caps in general this weekend. I'm a huge fan of not capping. Huge fan. Uh, we switch over to the men, and uh, what an incredible race. This one, I... I as much as it pains me to go back and dig through a five and a half hour feed, you should go back and watch this final event of the men. It is something else. And even though we're going to spoil it for you, you'll still want to. See it. <laughs> uh, Fabian Benito takes first Moritz. Uh, oh, sorry. In the work, in the workout, Fabian takes first uh, Moritz takes third Brent Fikowski, seventh Janikowski. No, ninth. No. Oh, that's a clean letter. Oh, sorry. 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 Thank you guys. Uh, heavy handed here. No, keep uh, going. Keep going. We're looking for walking with the devil. Oh, there yeah, it is. Okay, sorry. Uh, Moritz uh, Fiebig, uh first, Janikowski second, Alex Katulis uh, third. But really, you know what's really you... cool here? Yeah, tell me. This is a workout where the men and women had to do the same number of ring muscle-ups, and the winning time was basically exactly the same. Now, Chase will know that the 35-pound dumbbells will favor the women compared to the 50s, but as a whole, the workout ends up balancing itself out really well across the men in the women's field. Uh, You're saying that because notoriously men, um, that's a place where they're stronger in in terms of the muscle-ups. 
Yeah, I guarantee you that the men were faster through the first two parts of the workout on, on average, and the women were faster through the last two parts of the workout. But when we look at it as a whole, we have the top times being almost exactly the same. Did any men get capped in this? No. Okay. Uh, the, the, the thing is here, and we kind of have to go scroll all the way back so you can see. Uh, we have to go back to the totals for uh, – this is how the, the men's event finished. Fabian took uh, first with 625. Moritz uh, took second with 625, and Brent took third with 620. And, and, and basically, Brent and Fabian were neck and neck, and Brent was supposed to win. And, and you know, you know there's a, uh, his first, he had his both hands overhead as he did the final lunge over the line. And then before that back foot could cross the finish line, hit one of his arms came down. I don't know if it was a fatigue issue, a mental issue, but it could not have been any closer. No, and we talked about all these little things across the, the, the weekend that could have, uh, you know, happened. And so coming into this workout, well, actually in the first heat of the men's workout, um, it was really, really tight between Victor Hoffer and Jorgos Kervis. And Victor Hoffer uh, had some instability on his last overhead walking lunge. The rep, the ref, the judge on the floor gave him credit for the rep. Derek and I both kind of thought and, and addressed this in the broadcast that that probably should have been a no rep call on the field, but we weren't necessarily sure um, what, what what they had done. I went down to the uh, floor after that and found the head judge and asked him about it, and he said that they had assessed him a no rep there. They just um, and they were retroactive and give him. I think they ended up giving him a five second penalty for it. Who was this? Um, what was the guy's name? Who was it? Uh, Victor Hoffer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that Yorgos Kervis actually had had the time to beat at that point. And I just encouraged him. I said, look, in the finals, because it went men, women, men, women. So we still had two weeks ago, the final heat of women, the final heat of men. In the case that that happens again, you one of you two head judges has to be out there and send them back. We can't have this unknown element of someone finishing when they shouldn't have finished. And, that, and they said, okay, we'll do that. And they did that. And that's what Liz was talking about earlier. And I spoke with um, Rowan was the guy, the head judge who made that call after the competition. I said, hey, man, that was awesome that you that you did that. And it's a hard thing to do. Like they're well aware of what's on the line and how hard these guys are fighting and how tight the race is and how big the gaps in prize purse are. But everyone was watching knows that wasn't Brent. Brent knows that that was a no rep, but he knew he had to go for it. And, and that's what he did. It, the judge on the field wasn't sure what to do. The head judge made the call, sent him back. He finished the workout. Fabian was able to edge him out. But still, no one really knew what the overall result was because Moritz had won the workout, and he wasn't that far behind them. So it was people were telling Fabian that he won. Moritz was looking at his coach who was holding his shoulders up. I'm not sure. And we were waiting for the dust to settle. And both and all three men were unclear if they where they'd finished on the podium. And the reason why Fabian wins the tiebreak is he had at least three first-place finishes, right? Correct. And and, and um and and Jul, uh, Justine here is saying that uh, if Fakowski hadn't have missed that lunge and would have won, Fibig, uh, he wouldn't have won. Fibig would have. Is that because Fibig had uh, better more first places than Brent? Yeah, I think he won one workout. I don't think Brent Fakowski had any event wins on the weekend, despite being obviously very consistent. Absolutely uh, nuts. Um, do we know if Fikowski's arm came down because of fatigue or mental error? It just looked like fatigue to me. 
Like that, that's and like the guy. I don't. Collapsed. Yeah, I mean, we, listen. Not to bring up old Fakowski failure at the end things, but like once his shoulders go, like we've seen it on overhead squats at regionals that kept him out because he just had massive shoulder fatigue and could not sustain the barbell overhead anymore. And that was just a, a fatigue play. And he he pushed himself beyond the limit to try to get to the finish line, which is you know, you're, you're three steps away. I mean, look how close that he had dropped. And then Fabian had been maybe a step or two behind him. So he couldn't really see where he was. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of time. I, I said this on our text. He was like, if he had just looked back for a second, just to see where he was at, give him that extra second to maybe take a breather. But as we said before, is that Fikowski would have had to have beat another person. Cause even if he did touch him out, he would have lost that tiebreaker. Five big doing his was, best uh, Lowlands impression, right, Brian? It was a risk he had to take. Uh, Moritz. Moritz is going out and winning yeah. to get him back, back in the uh, on the final. Event. Yeah, yeah. Moritz, if, uh, seven. If you didn't know, Moritz won the final work at the Lowlands Throwdown to jump from eighth, I think, to fourth and get to the CrossFit Games this I past May. Wow! Yeah. And and he was, uh, you know. He and he almost and he won the the final event here as well and almost took the the win. I mean, it came down to a tie break. Guy has no quitting him. Um, um, from uh, stirring a little controversy here, DNR ninety two. Has anyone seen the reps? I have Fabian, an update on this. Fabian got away with in the hang clean tie breaks. Can you uh, remind us what the hang clean tie break was? That was yes, the, and can you pull up the um, one rep max hang clean workout on the leaderboard so we can look at what the final results ended up being? As I said yesterday, I thought you were going to tell me the video. I was panicking. Now, as I said yesterday, the results from Saturday were mostly complete, but there were still things that were being reviewed. And when you sort by the men in the hang clean ladder right there, what you're going to see is a tie for first place. Oh, wow. The, the reason being is that we, you know, it came to our attention that Fabian Benito had not finished the last rep of his five-rep squat clean tie break against Reggie Fassa. And so we pulled up our footage, which is the only footage that we were ever referencing throughout this competition for something like this. And it was very clear that he did, in fact, only stand partially up before dropping the bar, jumping over and going to the finish. But Reggie Fossa did the same thing. And as a result of that, since they both hit, cleaned the same amount of weight, they'd both missed on the same barbell. They'd both done four squat cleans before doing a no rep on the last one. We gave them both 100 points and $2,500 each instead of 3000 and 2000 Wow. They both got twenty five hundred. Well, it would have been three thousand for first, two thousand for second. Since they tied oh. for first, they just split the total of the five thousand between them. Do you want wow. to do an unfair question? Yeah, do sure. it just to screw things up. Should they go back and see how long it took Brent Fikowski to do that last no rep and assess the same time to the uh, hopper? Hopper. The hopper. Oh, um, potentially. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not actually sure where they came up with the five seconds. I just. I believe it was a five second penalty. Yeah. I'm just saying you have an exact replica of what was supposed to happen, and you could get an exact time of how long it took. Uh, wait. What? Wait, oh, I, I'm not sure what you're referencing. So I guess they gave Hoffer a five second penalty after the fact of a no rep they didn't call in his last lunge across the finish line. Oh. Where Brent Fakowski actually, that all took place. So you actually now have a time of how long oh. it actually takes to step back and put your dumbbells down and pick them up and lunge over again. Wait, so let me ask you this. How they, so there was a, that guy, Victor Hoffa crossed the finish line, got a time who don't, doesn't, 
but then they took some added some time to him because that's not how the instant replay works though. You're not supposed to get punished, right? You're only supposed to be able to challenge if the uh, it's not much it. different than what they did with Cara Saunders at the Cross Games in 2017 at the Overhead Squad event. Yeah, but I thought you realize, when you realize have- something when you realize that something happened on the field of play and it was obviously incorrect. I think it's appropriate to go back and check and see, okay, okay. is what we think happened actually what happened and what mm-hmm. can we do about it? I mean, they already uh, did it. I'm just saying now get an exact time, not a guess. Yeah, and I question. think if if it wasn't the last event, there may have been more time to to reflect on that. But in the heat know, of the Brian, moment, there's a lot of time between the event <laughs> and when the, the results got uh, announced. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you about that another time, Jace. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that off the podcast when you get back. <laughs> um, Justine responds. Uh, so there you go, Dean. Uh, that's your answer. That he didn't get away with both him and Fast uh, got no. Okay, okay, great. Yep. Uh, what Brian said yesterday. Okay, fair. Okay, everyone's cool. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. I know. Like I said, it's an unfair question, but I I love it. Okay. Uh, on a side note, I was looking to see how much. Uh, I, I just quickly typed into Google, and I know this doesn't mean uh, Jack, but I looked up the average amount of money someone makes in Spain in a year, and it was uh, like twenty five thousand euros. I don't know how much that is. Let's say thirty five thousand dollars. And so he, he got a, that's a pretty nice payout, uh, 50K. Yeah. And this is, I don't necessarily want to say life changing for him, but career changing for him. It's nearly $60,000 when you factor in the, you know, the, the individual event prize purses, which is, you know, like you said, on average, a two-year salary there. And for a guy who's felt like he was good enough and has been really close a couple of times and just had not quite had things go his way. Obviously, the emotion of winning the competition, but the the addition to that, the money that he'll earn is going to give him a little bit of freedom going forward in his training to probably only improve. Or he'll get into heroin and the whole thing will go take a dump because he'll lose yeah, the one, discipline. One, one or the other, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's here every time. Wait, what does this mean? And it's tax-free. How is that? Justine, hello. I don't know the uh, internet. He's going to launder it through Cameroon. I think there's no income tax in uh, in, du- in UAE, maybe or Dubai. She might be from. Have to I mean, pay something. Sure. The Spaniards are going to want their their uh, their cut. Uh, their pound and, of flesh. And 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 let me see who was the the and, and the winner with the women, uh, Karen Frey. Where's she from? Oh, Norway. Norway. No, no Slovakia. Mito, Mito, Slovakia. Let me let me just do a quick little check here. Uh, average. Average. South, uh, average year income, Slovakia. Uh, it's, I, all I have is 2020 and it's, it's 16,000 euros. I mean, so these are good payouts for these people. I mean, it's like 47,000 and a half euros is the conversion for the 50,000. Mm-hmm. Or sixty thousand euros less than a dollar now. Oh yeah, because she—that's uh, when it, she also had three event wins. That's yeah, true. this is cool. Yeah, so that's if that's in fact the case, then she's looking at uh, sixteen thirty to forty-eight, nearly three and a half or four time for you know four years worth of income in this weekend. Average. Uh, did you see Rich Froning's competing at Wadapalooza with uh, Tyler Christopher and Samuel Cornway? Mm-hmm. Ryan, that'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I've known about that for a month or more. <laughs> I just learned about it today while looking for uh, stuff about this uh, event. 
Uh, couldn't have been any closer to the men's race. Great, great women's race too. Uh, Big, big takeaways uh, in terms of uh, athletes, your changes on perspective of the athletes, either of you, men or women? Well, I mean, when a friend of mine was giving me a hard time because I've been a huge, huge, huge fan of Karen Frey for years, and I've often picked her to do just a little bit better than she ends up doing. I did pick her to finish on the podium this year, this competition, but I didn't pick her to win. And I'm okay with that because I, I don't care where I picked her. I'd much rather have her, you know, have a competition weekend like this and get other and have other people have a chance to see what I have believed that she was capable of for a few years now. I've been a staunch supporter of Brian's assessment of Karin Frey for quite some time. Although we've had the pleasure of watching her compete in Dubai for several years. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it a couple times uh, the last time that I was here uh, with Chase in 2019, you know, she was she was in the fight for a long time amongst some of the great women in the sport and in Dubai's history. And she comes back this year and now she's a champion here and it's uh, it's well earned. And it's uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy that people got to see this from her uh, this time around. I, I would like to thank uh, the people over at the uh, Dubai Fitness Championships uh, for uh, not reporting us for whatever clips we've used uh it's kind of amazing what kind of assholes are out there in the world who you're trying to promote their shit and for some reason they can't accept that and uh and they do report you dickheads uh, I, 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 I i unfortunately i didn't get to watch the events live but i did get to go back and watch them right after they were done live i thoroughly enjoyed it uh day two's camera work was I, I, absolutely not one complaint i was able to see everything the audio was good uh the the commentating was great i i, I have no i have no issues I, I i don't i don't set my expectations above that having people talking to know what they're doing uh me being able to see the lanes and distinguish between the athletes uh you know it was great it was, it was fantastic congratulations brian for your contribution to it uh it's good having one of the guys in our in our posse go out there and, and do good work Thanks. I mean, it's uh, as we've talked about, you know, there are a lot of challenges about putting on a competition here, but there's one thing that's definitely true, which is everyone that was involved in it was very passionate about cre having a good product. And, you know, it's for you guys to be able to first out on to say something like that, that you were able to see what these athletes are capable of doing and have some information about why maybe they're doing this or, or struggling to do that uh, makes me happy to hear. And, and, uh, and I'll extend that thank you also to uh, Hard Work Pays Off. Uh, um, and basically, you know, I'm trying to think that the, 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 I don't want to use the word transparency, the perspective that we were able to be given on the feed both days by the guy who actually programs it really does a lot. It adds a shit ton of value, mm -hmm. especially when Brian's just throwing questions at him. I mean, it was, it was good. Right? And the, and this team, HWPO, they were so, um, helpful here on site as well you know harry pally was this, was running the scoring for portions of the competition jake marconi and josh godinez were out there taping the floor at times matt o'keefe was involved in everything um and then of, of course matt fraser being generous enough to come on the podcast and share some of the thinking behind the creation no he's not it's... generous enough to come on the podcast he's scared to come on the podcast you mean oh the, on, the you mean, on the broadcast <laughs> on the broadcast yeah i thought i tried to catch you there yeah yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I will say this too. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that when Lazar Jukic went down on the 160th floor of the tallest building in the world and was flopping around like a fish, uh, Matt Fraser ran down two floors and grabbed him uh, goodies to try to revitalize him. And I do know Matt is that kind of person, um, you know, to, to do that. So that shit's kind of cool. I always love it when, when the, you know, the guys who are in charge recognize that it's also their job to take care of everyone. And, you know, less, less uh, maybe well-known, but these guys in the front here, the, the, the middle uh, or the, the guy in the far left, I don't know, as we're looking at Diego Mahabin there in the brown, that's one of the uh, royal shakes here. And then the guy on the right, Saud, who's the competition director. These guys invest so much of their time, resources, knowledge, experience. And even though everything doesn't run smoothly, all of them are always doing what they can and contributing what they are. It's a big team that, that put this on this year. And I think that the, um, the fact that the athletes were able to do so well, you know, people were talking about this maybe not being the competitive field device has ever seen. I was blown away with athletes' behavior off the floor, the, the way that they received information late and just rolled with it. And then, of course, their performances on the floor. We saw exceptional things from all of the men, all of the women at different points in the weekend. We had one of the most iconic events in the history of the sport, celebrating the 10th year of the Dubai Fitness Championship. And I, I mean, honestly, I just feel blessed to have been a part of it. It's uh, I was nervous coming back over here. It had been three years. I got really sick on the plane ride home last year. Um, but it was well worth it. And even if I get sick going back, I won't care. This was a good weekend. Trying to look up uh, to see how much uh, Hamdan bin Mohammed is uh, worth. What is net, net worth it? going to break the computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They said they're sending, spending special forces to my house to put me down right now. For just no, You just got computer. yourself put on a list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. I extend my thank you to, uh, the shake and all those guys over there for, uh, letting us, we're basically seagulls that feed off of your droppings, uh, at the restaurant and, uh, we're happy to do so. Uh, thank you everyone. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, helping. I could listen to Matt and Brian talk over any CrossFit event the best. Thanks, Mike. Chase. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Glad I can make it. Adam Blakeski, uh, love the broadcast. Brian kicked ass. Uh, Matt is still had his hint of combativeness while answering Brian's law. Oh, I, I didn't get that. I, I thought that Matt was actually pretty more vulnerable than normal, but um, okay. Fair, fair enough. Uh, HWPO uh, was doing all the adjustments to the leaderboards while the heats were going on. Please take notice. Uh, CrossFit, uh, no 30 minute wait to find out where the athletes stood. Cat uh, Shear, great show. Cat, uh, I can't wait to have you on soon. And uh, Jeffrey Birchfield, uh, thank you, Bruce. You can't compare the two. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. Um, love you guys, and see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Affiliate show tomorrow.